0: So let us pray. Lord, as we reflect on these powerful words, cause us uh, to take notice of who you are as you are revealed through these words and who we are called to be as we are challenged by your grace, your love, and your mercy. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the letter to Titus and the two letters to Timothy are often referred or known as the pastoral letters. No other books of the Bible are brought to life so strongly by their personal relationships in which they refer to, speak of, and speak into. As you read through this letter, which I do hope that you'll find time to do over the next few weeks, you come across many familiar phrases, expressions, ideas, and verses. Some have said that 2 Timothy is one of the most quoted books of the Bible because of its ability to speak to us at such a personal level. The narrative context of this letter is Paul writing from prison to Timothy, who's still trying to sort out the issues in the church in Ephesus. While it is important for us to try and understand how the early church would have received these words, it's more important for us to understand how these words can connect, challenge and convict us sitting here in relative air-conditioned comfort. In the middle of Rabena, on a sunny Sunday, looking out onto a newly reimagined church exterior, and onto a world that has little understanding or little care and interest in why would we why would we want to be in here in the first place? The opening of this letter is what biblical scholars would call a standard Pauline greeting. But this type of greeting is not just unique to Paul. Nearly all ancient Greek letters of a personal nature began with either a prayer or a blessing. Because these opening verses, the greetings in Paul's letters, and can become so familiar, it's really easy to overlook them as some sort of ancient version of to whom it may concern, or dear Mary. But if we really want to ask how this letter can connect, challenge and convict us, then before we rush into what might seem the meatier parts of this passage, let's just pause and reflect for a moment. Now, I'm under no illusions that anybody writes letters these days. I'm sure when the last letter I actually wrote on a personal nature was. But I do wonder what difference would it make to our relationships if we were to consciously attempt to begin each communication with a prayer or a blessing. Now, I don't think it has to be awkward. You don't have to walk up to somebody that you haven't seen in a long time and say, thanks be to God for the gift of this time together. I'm profoundly aware of the Holy Spirit working in you today. Rather, I mean, instead of just jumping in with our opinion, our judgment, instead of just expressing our own self-interest, we actually purposefully focused on, on the other person. Their presence, their gifts and talents, this opportunity of connecting with them, looking forward to the richness that a deepening of that relationship might bring. And here's a thought. What if we actually thanked God for them? What if we used words in our own ways like I'm so grateful that we could find the time together to connect. I really value you, and I know you're busy, but our time together has always meant so much to me. You can even use that with your non-Christian friends because I didn't even mention God. It's just a thought, but let's dig into uh, one of those meatier parts of uh, today's passage. I'm sure it would warm the hearts of many of us gathered this morning to hear the words of a grandmother and a mother effectively sharing their faith with their children. However, I'm well aware that many in our own church, and I'm sure in all churches across the Western world, there are far more stories of grandparents and parents trying faithfully to pass on their faith only to see the ones they love turn away from established religion. There was a time not too long ago when religion was like DNA. It was permanent. If you're born Catholic, Anglican, or in those days C of E, Methodist, Baptist or Presbyterian, You stayed Catholic, CV, Methodist, Baptist, or Presbyterian. A couple of weeks ago, um, Anne McGuinness shared with us the challenges uh, for her husband, Frank, having what they called in those days an interfaith marriage of a Catholic and a Protestant. These days, it seems far more likely that you're able to pass on support for your favourite football team than you might your religious affiliation to your children. I was talking a couple of times this week about the different demographics between our 7.30 congregation and our 9.30 congregation. And I was reflecting or guessing that many in our 7.30 congregation would actually identify themselves as Anglican. But I suspect the majority in this congregation would just identify themselves as Christian. Now, there's nothing wrong with either expression, but it does highlight the changing cultural landscape that we're living in, in particular when it comes to faith and belief. But for those of us who have tried faithfully but unsuccessfully to try and pass on our faith to those who are close to us, there's deep encouragement in this letter that our testimony and our faith actually matters and it actually makes a difference regardless of the challenges that we have endured and that we will continue to endure. And Paul clearly frames that testimony to make it clear where we are to start, and what it looks like. Our testimony is, in our own way, that God saved us, God calls us, and God has a purpose. And we are entrusted with that testimony for the purpose that we are to entrust a testimony with another or others. Because our testimony and our faith remains critical, Paul's words to Timothy are particularly poignant for us in the world that we live in. The encouragement for us is to rekindle the gift of God that is within you. Churches are good at coming up with lots of jargon and to try and label the type of follower of Jesus that we are. Most of them I actually find particularly unhelpful. Often we become separated by stylistic, political, intellectual and social biases and form factions that rather than building one another up, more frequently tear each other down. If you've ever had the joy of experiencing an Anglican synod, the Parliament of the Anglican Church, you will see our brand of jargon and factionalism at its best. Or maybe its worst. There can be a sense of, I am who I am, and God's okay with that. So you should be too. And if you're not okay, then you can join the not-a-proper-Christian faction. As Paul is writing to Timothy, he is identifying that faith is not a label. It is not a position. It's not even a one-time decision. Faith is dynamic. It must be nurtured. It must be tended to. And it must be fed so that it not only sustains but it grows and replicates in the lives of others. And the maturing of our faith will involve struggle. It will involve also reward. It requires both discipline and an awareness of what is going on around us. Now, if uh, later today you were to walk into one of the about 35,000 gyms that there are on the Gold Coast you would find promotions uh, displayed on their screens and their walls to get summer ready. Television advertising and advertorials ramp up at this time of year as we're all lured into the belief that somehow we must all recover our bikini bodies. Now, that idea is scarier for others than it is for some. But what the wellness industry knows is something that I think the Christian church can easily overlook, particularly in our day and age. And often it's because we're too busy fighting about ideology. To produce fruit or to produce results, we require effort. We require discipline. We require endurance. We require persistence. We have to go through struggle. We must pay the cost. And most importantly, we must seek the support and encouragement of others. Faith is something that needs to be constantly rekindled. And it also needs to be guarded so that our testimony can be at its most impactful. The only words that the non-Jesus following world will ever hear about the love of Jesus will come from his followers through their words and often more profoundly their actions. Now they won't always make an impact. Scripture is clear, and the early church history shows us that people won't always pay credence to what we have to say or what we do. But we are called upon to continuously rekindle and continuously persevere. And Paul's advice is pretty straightforward join the suffering, rely on God's power and the bit that I missed on the screen, remember your salvation. Hold to the standard of sound teaching and hold to the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Paul's five-point plan is like your own personal program from a personal trainer. At times, each one of us will have to rely on God's power. Uh, I'm sure most of us uh, have had experiences where we've relied on our own strength and fell miserably short and failed. At times we will suffer. At times we will forget or overlook our salvation and need to be reminded to breathe in the Spirit of God taking the time to breathe it in and then out, remembering God's presence in our lives, can return us to our identity as a child of God. When we face setbacks, pausing to give thanks can make all the difference in the world. Gratitude and thankfulness can put everything into perspective. The results are far more impactful than any bikini body. Both our success and our failure, both our struggle and our triumph will become our testimony. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the famous biblical scholar and theologian, said these very profound words. Your life as a Christian should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. Challenging, isn't it? It's the world's way to focus on our differences, to push an agenda, an opinion or a judgment on another. But it's not God's way. It might seem overly simplistic, But who we believe in comes before what we believe in. The what we believe in is derived by the who that we believe in. And followers of Jesus believe in Jesus. If our ongoing priority is to find clarity in the Jesus of Scripture, the Jesus of the resurrection of faith, And teachings of Scripture, then I believe the what we believe in will or at least should flow more clearly. And when we seek unity in who we believe, the commonality of what we believe becomes more visible. Our call is not to win all the arguments. Our call is to forgive as we've been forgiven. And to love as we have been loved. And we must stir up this gift within us. After all, Jesus didn't ask his followers, what did you think of my teaching today? He asked them, who do you say I am? So my friends, guard this precious thing. That is placed in our custody by the Holy Spirit who works in us. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you have challenged us and connected with us and convicted us through your word. We pray as we take these words into our lives and into our worlds we might clearly see your grace, your love and your mercy at work in and through us and in your followers, in people we expect and those who we least expect. We thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the offer of grace and forgiveness and eternal life we find in him. Be with us and your people as we battle through this ever-changing world. Revealing who you are through who we are because of who you are in our lives. Amen.